All right, so uh, first, or I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, start in verse 12. Let's read uh, 12 through 15 together. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you <clears throat> excuse me, in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the time to get in the Word, uh, and uh, thank you for everyone's willingness to share their heart uh, this morning with respect to Bible studies and, and uh, the prayer requests and the praises. And uh, Lord, just thank you for continuing to um, give people, I, I guess I'll call it confidence in, in attending in person and uh, just for the folks that are that are on Zoom, just thank you for the, the technology to be able to, to still connect with them at this at this level just thank you for the investment that uh, that this ministry has made in this uh, small portion of the congregation and uh, lord we love you uh, we look forward to how you'll teach us and use us in jesus name amen all right so uh as i was reading through second peter chapter one and you know in in, in light of this uh, ongoing study I, I just couldn't get past the word remembrance it happens three times uh, in in the uh, in the passage and and that's a, a pretty important Bible study concept when when a word is hit several times when a concept is hit several times it's important to make sure you are understanding it because God you know doesn't waste words in Scripture and and it's important to make sure that you capture uh, the intent so today we're really going to be talking about this I guess this concept of, of remembrance um, you know Sam actually referenced this. Uh, some of you may have caught it. I, I can't remember. It's a, at least a couple weeks ago because he didn't he didn't preach last week about um, the new thing versus reinforcing things that we already know. And he actually referenced Second Peter, if my memory serves correctly. Um, I, I think he at least referenced uh, Peter's epistle, and um, and so it jumped off the page at me when I was reading, and I, I really couldn't get around it. You know, our flesh desires uh, kind of this this kind of intro area here on your notes our flesh desires new things new things are intriguing so that's your first blank intriguing where applying things we know is work right so we like hearing new things because it gets our creative juices flowing it gets our it's it's exciting and and honestly this is my personal humble opinion i think that is where some pastors, especially these pastors that like to play on a national stage, have podcasts and, and broad, bigger podcasts and broadcasts and, and social media that are trying to make an influence in the, in the nation. This is where I, I generally think they get off, off kilter is they try to come with a new thing. They try to be the one to find this new aspect. But the reality is Peter isn't talking about new things. He's talking about the things that he has already spoken about, right? And so we're going to spend some time on this. If you look at uh, your 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 um, references on the on the page there, Acts seventeen twenty one, when it's talking about the Athenians and strangers uh, which were there, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. That's the kind of thing that people like to debate. That's the kind of thing. Well, look at this, you know, the proverbial nugget. I don't know where the spiritual nugget came from. Like, 
that feels like a weird description of a spiritual concept. Yeah, I found a nugget in the word. Uh, I guess it's like digging for gold or something, I guess. I don't know. But, but that was this new, this drive for new, this drive for, for understanding and being the one God showed. Like, you know how many Christians have walked the face of this earth? And you're, you're telling me you're the very first one the Holy Spirit taught that to? That is a really a big deal. If you are the first one in the year 2020, the year 2015, the year 2010, the year 1952, I don't care. If you're the first one that's figured it out, probably you haven't figured it out. Because that implies the Holy Spirit had not taught anyone that concept before. Um, so it's really not to hear or, or to tell of this new thing uh, as these people gather and debate. and Because... because you, I, I, and I get caught up in this. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I've had this conversation with some of the folks, you know, in this in this ministry, certainly in this church, where you like to kind of sharpen your sword on these concepts. You know, you bounce some things off. You know, am I thinking about this right? And there's some help. That, that's healthy. But but look at look at uh, Mark. Actually, go ahead and turn over to Mark one for just a moment. Mark one. And, and we'll go back up. It's kind of interesting, you know, if the, the Gospels, I think the structure of the Gospels is always interesting to me. But John, or, or I'm sorry, Mark jumps right in. The Gospel of Mark just jumps right in. And um, if you look at uh, verse 25, and Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. So he's already doing, you know, miracles. He's doing healing. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed. Look at this in verse 27. Insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What new, or what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. They misperceived authority and truth as a new thing. And that is mind blowing to me. Obviously, the the, the Pharisees and the scribes, I mean, these folks were not in a place, in a, in a good place, clearly, right? I mean, some of them responded to the teaching. Some of them responded to the biblical, to the biblical mandates. But, but clearly, generally, they were not in a good place. So someone speaking truth with authority was weird to them, was new, okay? So when, even when Jesus does a miracle, they're seeing it as a new doctrine, when in reality, it's not. Miracles have happened all through Scripture, Right, I mean the, the the miracles and wonders that God has done. Maybe they didn't take the form of a, a casting out of a demon, but I don't know. Like, like the parting of the Red Sea was kind of a big deal. It was a miracle, right? I mean, there's all sorts of miracles. I mean, there's there are Old Testament resurrections. That's kind of a big deal. So this was shouldn't have been seen as a new thing, right? Hebrews five twelve. Uh, this is actually one of my generally kind of favorite verses because of the the point uh, for when the time ye ought to be teachers ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of god and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong strong meat and the reason i i, I like it the reason i i guess i call, call it one of my favorite verses is because it reminds me that it's the basic things of the lord it is the fundamentals, if you will, of Scripture that I need to be working on constantly. Because there are a group of people that when they ought to be to a point where they're teaching, they can't 
because they haven't even got the basic stuff down right in their life. And that's a, that's a big deal, right? And um, we need to get that basic stuff down. Look at Isaiah 28. Who do you teach? You know, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, the, the young. The people that are just spiritually beyond milk only. Those are the people that you teach new things to because they're new to them, not because they're new to you. You teach them new things, right? Those are, and continue on in verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. So who needs this new stuff? Well, you know, there's very little food I have not been introduced to. I mean, sure, you can you can say that you know, travel internationally, and you can say you know there there's certain animals. I remember maybe I've told this story before that went on a trip to uh, Zambia, and one of my buddies was um, was uh, had the opportunity, distinct opportunity and privilege to to try porcupine, which he described as rancid meat. Is how he said that the taste of porcupine was rancid meat. There's not a whole lot that I get it like introduced into my diet. I mean, maybe porcupine would be an introduction, right? But my point is, as an adult, I should have a com- relatively complete palate, right? I should have, there's not a lot of foods that are new to me. The, the premise should be that babes are taught new things. And I do think coming back up to the point of why it kind of intrigues us is to some degree for those of us who've been saved and have grown in our spiritual walk it reminds us of what it was like when we were learning new things but again they were only new to us at the time they weren't a new thing they were the things that had been taught for for generations right Finally, in um, Philippians uh, 3.1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Paul even calls it out and says, Sometimes it's important for me to hit the things I've already touched on. Right? That's really important. So this re- re- really brings us to our first point about this concept in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, is that Peter had a sense of responsibility. Peter says he would have been negligent not to remind them. Though they know these things, though they know them, he would be negligent not to teach them. That's a pretty important, I mean, that's kind of an interesting concept if you ask me. I mean, negligence in and of itself, I, I looked it up on, you can, there's a lot of interesting websites out there that you can use as resources. And I went to a law dictionary dot com kind of thing. I think I typed law dictionary and I typed in uh, the negligence as a definition and it's a failure to behave with a level of care that someone of ordinary prudence would have exercised under the same circumstances. It's a failure, that's your next line, a failure to behave with a level of care that someone of ordinary prudence would have exercised. So the default is the standard we're talking about here. We're not talking about way up here. We're talking about the basic standard. The basic standard 
Peter references here. He said, I would not be negligent to put you in remembrance. So the basic standard is to remind people. The basic standard is not to teach new things. The basic standard is to teach the things we've already taught. <laughs> and that, you know, as a, as a teacher and someone now teaching, you know, basically every week and, and for, I don't know, six, seven years I taught, you know, for, for lack of better terms, every Sunday as well. And in that class, I, uh, the, 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 uh, the tagline of the class was the principles of God at the motion of life. Because the principles of God are what we need to get down. None of us have them all down. Like, we're not there yet. I mean, if we were there, we'd probably be individually much more fruitful, much more patient, much more long-suffering, right? All the, all the different things. So teaching through reminding is the basic level of shepherding. It's the basic level of shepherding. To do otherwise is the negligence that Peter is talking about. Now, it's kind of interesting. The same Greek word appears in Matthew 22, uh, 5, and it says, But they made light of it and went by their ways. And in 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul is admonishing Timothy not to neglect, right? Neglect not the gifts. So this concept of, of neglecting is with almost with intention, setting aside and not doing the thing that you need to do. Okay? So we have this responsibility... I think that was right. The responsibility, my first point, to to teach these things that are brought in to to be brought in remembrance. So this brings us to our second point. Our second point is remembrance, and that's the word itself that we're looking at. Now it's interesting because this is you know when you teach somebody and you remind them, you're an agent of the Holy Spirit. Agent is the word that goes in your in in your blank because. When you teach something someone already knows, you're actually fulfilling John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So if Peter has said it's a pastor's responsibility, it's a shepherd's, it's a teacher's responsibility to remind and to do anything less is neglect. And the Holy Spirit, it's his job to remind us, you literally get a little Holy Spirit deputy badge. Now, and I am being silly about that because none of us are the Holy Spirit in, in each other's lives. I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. Honestly, Sam's not even the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord left three things to help us get through, the, through, through our life and through our journey. One is the Word of God. One is the Holy Spirit. And the other is the local church. I mean, Sam is the pastor of the local church. He's the pastor of this one. Like, but he's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and I think he would, if he was here, he would, he would amen that or he would agree. It's not my job to be the Holy Spirit in your life, but I get the opportunity to be used by the Holy Spirit when I remind you of something basic. Because that's what his, part of his job. Now, the second point here, sub-point, is kind of interesting because you can only remember what you already have learned or know. It's literally impossible to remember something new. Like, that's a contradiction in terms, right? You can learn something new, but you can't remember something new. So Jude, verse 5 says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this. 
how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, after, afterward destroyed them that believed not. So he's saying, I'm putting you in remembrance because you already know it. I, like, it's a little bit of the... The, the, the word used in the definition, I realize it's kind of a really basic point, but you can only remember what you've already learned. If you haven't learned it, then it's time to learn it. But if you've learned it, it's time to remember it and remember it to, of course, apply it. This is a godly trait. That's the next, next line is it's a godly trait. Even the, cho- the, the Lord chooses to remember. Genesis 9 And verse 15 says, And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all my flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. So we like to look at the rainbow. We like to say that it is the symbol of God's covenant and promise. It is. But it is also a reminder to us that God will remember his promise. It's a godly trait to go back to the things you've already talked about, to revisit the things you already know, the promises you've made. That's a godly trait. And that brings us to this last, this last point, the record. The record. So look back again at, at, uh, at, at, at uh, 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Wherefore, I, I be not negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. And be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Right? So, and then he, obviously in verse 14, talks about the fact that he um, is probably going to die relatively soon. It's interesting that the Lord has even shown that to him. Moreover, in verse 15, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. So he is literally investing in eternity. He is investing beyond the time in his life. And that is an amazing concept to me. Just an amazing concept. So I was at a course, I was at a presentation earlier this year. Seems like for an eternity ago, uh, because it was obviously before before the pandemic. Um, and it was... Uh, this is going to sound a little weird coming out how, I, how I've teed it up, but it was a an empowering women course. And you say, well, Mitch, why were you there if it was an empowering women course? Well, uh, because it was at our company and we were trying to give, you know, uh, tools and techniques and training to women. And they asked some of the, uh, the management team to go in to show support uh, for, for that for that program. And I honestly learned. And, and the lady that was speaking, she was a really good speaker, by the way. Um, really interesting, interesting story. I don't have time to, to go into it. But it's interesting because she said she started her presentation basically with, write your eulogy and work backward. Write your eulogy and work backward. Like, what do, they, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? Because there's going to be a day when you're gone. And I just, and obviously with the situation with my mom and, and helped, uh, you know, in drafting that, or for lack of better terms, drafted that for our family, for my mom's eulogy. And um, it, it really kind of resonated with me that, like, what do I want said about Mitch Dobson when I'm gone? And, and there's things I definitely don't want said about me, even though they're part of my life, right? I mean, there's, 
there's aspects of my life that I'm not proud about, that I wish I could have done differently, or if I could go back and do them over, I would type thing, right? But there's other things that I definitely want people to know. And, and, and Peter is basically saying, in my in his eulogy, he's like, in my eulogy, I want people to remember what I taught. Like, that's kind of a big deal. That's kind of a big deal. And so he re- references his, his future decease. He says, there's going to come a day when I'm not, I'm not here anymore, and I want you to remember the things that I've shared with you, those things being nothing new, things that you've already known. So if, when you consider your, quote, eulogy, are you, do you think in light of eternity, right? What do you want this legacy to be? When I was younger, and I'm not afraid to admit this, this was before I was saved and even shortly after I was saved, um, I went, well, I went to college up in Kirksville, Missouri. It's now Truman State. It was Northeast Missouri State at the time. And one of the halls, one of the dorms was Dobson Hall. It's not a real common name, but it's obviously, you know, not, not so odd that somebody else couldn't be named and have a hall name, but I thought it was cool. And I remember at one point thinking, I'm going to work so where someday my name's on a building. Now, that sounds so stupid and petty coming out of my mouth right now, right? Because that was such a 18-year-old stupid perspective. Like, there's going to come a day where they're tearing that building down. And nobody's going to remember the Dobson from, you know, 1847 or whatever, right? There's going to come a day where, you know, grave markers are going to be gone. And all the things that people you know, want their name associated with are going to be gone. I went to also this year, again, it seems like an eternity ago, in Washington, D.C. I had a, had a, meet, a business meeting in Washington, and the guy that started our company, this guy's name is James Edward Hanger, was the first documented amputee of the Civil War, started the company, we make artificial limbs primarily, and, and braces and that like today. I went to his grave site. I didn't know where it was, and we had had this discussion, found out it was in D.C., so we took a, an Uber over and went to his grave. And I was thoroughly underwhelmed because it's just a grave. <laughs> but, but Peter wants to invest in eternity. And I think it's really, really interesting because the only thing that I can do to invest in eternity, what, what are the two things that are eternal that we say around here? The... And the, I can't add or detract from the word, right? I mean, I'd be breaking rules, and that's not the right thing to do. So I can't make my, quote, mark on the word of God. But there is something I can do for eternity. Like, that I can invest in people's souls. And that's, that it, I think sometimes we, you know, word of God and souls of men, that's eternal. It's like, but, but if we really believed it, we would rearrange our schedule we would lift up people in prayer. We would like, if we really believed that my actions could change someone else's eternal trajectory, like I think we'd probably do it more. And I think we have glimpses of it. We all have glimpses of it, but I think we don't do it with the urgency that we've talked about uh, the last few weeks. So the uh, the extra line that I, that I put here, so the, the Deuteronomy and Psalms, Deuteronomy and Psalms, and the Deuteronomy line, I think, is fairly short. So, sorry, it's for Dude. <laughs> um, De- Deuteronomy and Psalms 
are where the most remember or remembrances are in the Bible. It's interesting because Deuteronomy really is Moses as he leaves and challenges Joshua and the people. So he's basically saying, after I'm gone, remember. Remember what God did and use that going forward, right? And then in Psalms, mostly David reflects, or the psalmist reflect on what get them through tough times or get them through the situations they're going through, or even the praise that they have uh, for the Lord. So I just think it's really interesting how powerful the concept of remembering is. Like when we're in a pity party, and I've, uh, Michelle would share, I've, I've, since my mom has passed, something's not quite right with me. And there are times when I'm just melancholy, but I get out of that through remembering my goals, my perspectives, my ministry, eternity, like that's what gets me out. I don't have to learn whether Adam had a belly button or not. Like I don't need to know how the, the constellations line up in the Old Testament or whatever. Like what I need to know is that I can have an impact in eternity. Like I need to be reminded of those basic things. So look at Deuteronomy 31 and we'll wrap it up here. Deuteronomy 31. And I'd ask you to go ahead and turn there because there's several verses, obviously, that we need to look at. So obviously, even as I mentioned, this is uh, approaching the end of, of um, Moses' time on the earth. And in Deuteronomy 31, starting in verse 19, <clears throat> Now therefore write this, or write ye this song for you, and teach it the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Okay? So what's a witness? What does a witness do? They recount the things that have already happened, right? They remember out loud the things that they're being asked of or, or having the opportunity to speak. For when... I shall have brought them into the land, which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves in wax and fat. Then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. Now he's actually looking into the future about what's going to happen. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them. <clears throat> what will they do? They will remember that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. So he wants, when these things to, when these things happen, he wants this to be an immediate remembrance, right? An immediate remembrance. What's ha what happens when the cock crows uh, the, the third time? Immediately, Peter remembers, right? He wants these things to be a remembrance. For I know their imagination which they go about even now, before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Moses therefore wrote the song the same day and taught it the children of Israel. Like, I think it's Trisha Yearwood that says the song remembers when, right? I don't know about you, but I can look, click on what is now the oldies station, which is really bad that the 80s, the songs I like, are on the oldies station, and that is not right. 
But I, they bring back, oh, I, the last time I heard that song, I was driving my Mustang right out of, after I left high school. I mean, I, there's times where I, a song will immediately bring it back. And that's literally what, what Moses does here. He writes a song so that when these things happen, immediately they will remember. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land, which I swear unto them. And I will be with thee. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of the law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark, or inside the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be therefore a witness against thee. There we have it again. For I know thy rebellion, thy stiff neck. Behold, while I'm yet alive with you this day, you have been a rebellious, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And how much more after my death? Gather unto me all the elders of the children, or I'm sorry, elders of your tribes, and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears, and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death you will utter you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and the evil will befall you in the latter days because ye, ye will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. I mean, it's a somber, uh, you know, uh, conclusion to a message, to be honest. It, but the, the matter here is that Moses is saying, you're, there's going to come a day when you need to remember what happened. You need to remember and we have a choice, and, and honestly, I, I wish I had more time to go into this, but we've got to keep moving through the, through the book of Second Peter. But the things that Moses calls them to remember that God had done to them in all the good ways and the deliverance that, he had, that God had provided. But unfortunately, that's not the, the story he's really going to be able to tell here in Deuteronomy 31. In the Deuteronomy 31, what he's reminding them is that they're rebellious people. And because he knows their nature, he knows they're going to falter. And he's like, there's going to come a point in time when you remember. So I would argue that maybe it's not the worst conclusion to the message because you have a choice today. You can remember your former state and live in that former state. Or you can remember your renewed state, your new, newness in Christ. And it is this very basic principle. This is not a this is not a, a new doctrine. This is not you know I'm not bringing I'm I'm literally polishing off someone else's message because I know someone else has given it, <laughs> even though I haven't read the message. Like I, I'm sure of it. You have this choice, and you can remember the things, the investment that the Lord's made in you, or you can remember the way that you you would have gone if, if you're saved in the way you're going. If you're not, um, so so I'm going to conclude there and just encourage you. If something is new, you can spend some time on it. That's fine. There are things that will play out in society. I do wonder if the whether it's the coronavirus or another disease is the ultimate impetus for people being willing to take a mark. Like it seems like it's going that way, but ultimately, me spending a whole lot of time on that isn't going to change my eternity. It's not, it's just not, it's not, it's, it's, 
I'm going into heaven. I'm, I'm going. I, I need to spend more time investing in others. And so just be, be mindful where you invest your time. Be mindful where you invest your, your, uh, your, your, your resources and, and where you go. I, I don't fault anybody. I, it is our nature to want to desire new things and hear new things. So I don't really fault people for that. But just be very, very mindful that it's the first principles of the oracles of God that we need. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for uh, the ability to gather today. We thank you for, again, loving us and uh, investing in us in so many ways. We thank you for the fact that really scripture and our study of scripture is one big constant reminder. And so help us as we put others in remembrance, how we remember ourselves, uh, the things that you've done so that we can take the next step forward in our spiritual journey. Whatever that spiritual journey or wherever we're at on that spiritual journey, help us to take that next step forward. Lord, whether it's uh, committing to, to, to maybe a discipleship or, or baptism or discipleship two in the fall or LFBI or whatever it is, Lord, to, a specific ministry we're supposed to be involved with, help us stir up in us the things, help us remember the things that we're supposed to be doing so that you get the honor and glory for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.